Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iloveSCBC.org. Our pastor is doing a series on building Christian character. And I think that uh, this particular passage has a verse in it that is the foundation of Christian discipleship. And that is the entire law is summed up in a single command to love your neighbor as yourself. This letter of Paul's was written to the churches in Galatia. Galatia was in what is now Turkey, modern day Turkey. We're not sure exactly which churches he was writing to. There's some disagreement about that, but we know that they were written, this letter was written to some churches in the province of Galatia. Paul had been the first person to take the gospel there and they received him, chapter 4 tells us, as if he were an angel, even though he was very ill at the time. The Galatians were all Gentiles. And Paul had taken him, taken them the word of the gospel, telling them that it was time that with, that, with the person of Jesus, the nations of the world were being gathered into the covenant of Israel. Remember, Paul did not reject the faith of his ancestors. He was fulfilling the faith of his ancestors. But after, apparently, after Paul had left them, some people came preaching a different gospel, he says. And apparently they were preaching that one had to become Jewish before being able to fully, to fully practice discipleship. Paul did not believe this. Paul believed that under grace, Christians could be brought into the covenant not through the spirit and not through the flesh. And by the flesh, he meant, of course, circumcision. Paul uses this term flesh in the Greek sarx, S-A-R-X, very often. And we tend to think of flesh in that sense as being bad. But remember that Jesus was made flesh. So God made our flesh to be good. But we have a fallen nature. Sin has entered into us so that ourselves become the center. So really, sarks in this sense means self-indulgent flesh. Paul made this list, right, of the fruits of the flesh and fruits of the spirit. Now in that time, in Paul's time in the, in the Greco-Roman world, there were many, many ethical teachers, many ethical schools of philosophy, 
And they all were big on making lists of vices and virtues, and they would contrast them. Paul was no different. Paul lived in his time. He preached according to the custom of his time, and he made his points according to the conventions of the time. And so he made the list of, of vices, which he called the fruits of the flesh, and the list of virtues, which he called fruits of the spirit. If you read any list of vices and virtues from that era, they're going to look pretty much like this. It, wasn't, it was something that they, everybody listening to could relate to. It was a common practice to do this. But there was one thing that made it different, and that is the word love. Not just any love, but a particular kind of love, agape love. Agape love is different than what we think of as love on a regular basis. We think of love in the Hallmark card sort of way, that warm and fuzzy feeling we have when we see a cute child, or we, or we, or, or that little, or that little tingle we get when we're falling in love, or what we feel when we have our cute little puppy in our arms, or when we meet an old friend and we're so glad to see them, a feeling. Agape is not a feeling, it's a decision. It's a decision to do what is right for the other, whether you like them or not. Remember, the Bible never says anywhere that we should like one another. It doesn't say like your neighbor, because frankly, many of us are not very likable. And all of us are very unlikable at some time. Christian love, agape, is not about family loyalty. It's not about the love between, between lovers. It's not the love that parents, the natural love that parents have for children. It's not even the natural love that we have for people we like. Christian love is a decision to love regardless of our opinions, regardless of what we think about someone, regardless of whether we like someone or not, whether we like what they do, whether we like what they say, we are going to do what is right for them. Now that doesn't mean that we just roll over and play dead because sometimes what is right for the other person is saying no. It doesn't mean hiding our own feelings necessarily. It doesn't mean that we have to hide our own opinions. It doesn't mean that we have to pretend to be someone other than we are. It just means that in what we do, we act for the good of the other. And sometimes that means taking care of ourselves because we know that we can do no good for anybody else if we don't take care of ourselves. And sometimes it involves saying no to someone and yes to yourself. Because if it is not good for you, truly good for you, it is not good for them either. 
because we believe as Christians in the common good, in the good for all of creation, not just for some. So I'm going to ask everybody to open your Bibles. Okay, open your Bibles or your Bible apps or the Pew Bible and go to Galatians 5. If you're struggling with how to find it in the Pew Bible, it's on page 826. It's the same Pew Bible that I picked up here. Verse 13. So you, brothers and sisters, you know, Greek is one of those languages like Portuguese and Spanish where if it's, if there are a hundred, if there are a hundred women in a room and there's one man, it all goes to the masculine. Go figure. Greek is one of those languages. So, when they say brothers, they don't mean brothers as just men. It means brethren, brothers and sisters, the collective siblinghood of Christians. Okay? Um, let's make that, I'm going to make that clear. Okay. You, brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But you see, Christian freedom doesn't look like self-indulgent freedom, the freedom to do whatever you want. Christian freedom means that we are free to love. That seems counterintuitive, but that's the freedom that we have. Christian freedom is agape freedom. That means we are free to say no if it is not a loving thing. We are free to say yes if we're saying yes to agape, love. That is, love that is good for the other as it is good for me. Because the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you do, you will not bite or devour each other. Live by the Spirit. What Spirit is this? The Spirit of God, right? The Holy Spirit that empowers us, empowers us to discipleship. That doesn't mean we don't live in our bodies. We live in our bodies. Our bodies are good. Remember, God, go back to Genesis 1. God created things to be good. Our bodies are good. No body shaming, no body hating. Bodies are good. Matter matters. Right? But the spirit that we're living by is not some head thing. It is the Holy Spirit empowering us to live in our bodies according to agape love. If we don't, if we don't live according to agape love, we are going to have sexual immorality or licentiousness, which is the, another word that some translations use. 
Then what is sexual immorality? Sexual immorality is when we are using other people not for their good. Because that is not love. And yes, marital relations can be sinful and idolatrous and immoral if it is not done in the spirit of mutual good. I know we good Christians like to point our fingers at people who aren't married. I know a lot of Christian marriages, supposedly, or marriages between Christian that are idolatrous and sinful. Impurity. You know, that's an interesting word because we don't have a, it's often used in, we think of purity in a way that is not really the Greek meaning of it. This purity was, was a word that was often used to describe, like in contracts, housing contracts, a house that was left clean. Right? You will leave this house pure, that word, because when you finish using it, for example. But it also has a religious meaning that all Greeks understood, which was the purity, ritual purity, that meant that you could approach a god. Do you remember even, if you ever read Leviticus, you will read a lot of purity laws, right? Those were the laws that made you worthy to enter into the temple. And some of them, for us, are actually pretty weird, right? If you touch this kind of animal, or if you get on, pretty weird. But that was ritual purity, and that is what that word means. So in this case, in the Christian sense, it's turned that word purity on its head, the word purity as it was used in the Greco-Roman world for approaching, approaching the... The, the, the gods, because what makes us able to approach God, what makes us ritually pure in God's eyes, is when we love, when we come in the spirit of agape love. Because it was agape love that took Jesus to the cross. It was agape love that made Jesus flesh the love that came to serve us. The love that gave of itself for us. And then we go on to, you know, all these, a whole list of words, you know, debauchery. Impurity and debauchery. That word is the same word that Paul used to describe what Jezebel did when she built the altar to Baal in 2 Kings. Go look it up sometime. It means someone who has no concern for others. She offended God, offended the people of Israel, and built this with no thought of the offense that she was giving. So debauchery is when we act in a way that we don't care about its effect on others. 
How often? Well, I don't care. You know? I don't care. Just debauchery. That is not agape love. Idolatry? Anything that stands between us and God. Anything that we put more important than our relationship to God. Anything, and how do we know? Is if it's standing in our relationship in the way of our acting out of agape love. Because we know the only way that we can show God our love. Jesus told us in Matthew 25. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That is how to love God. Witchcraft. What's wrong with witchcraft? Because it's manipulative of others. Oh, we don't, witchcraft, nobody does that anymore. I don't know. Look at advertising. A lot of advertising is just about manipulating others for your own advantage. Not all advertising, but a lot of it is. So if we're in business, if we're business people, how do we promote our trade and our business? Is it because we really think we have a good service to give those people who may need it? Or am I just trying to do something to get more money out of them? <laughs> and we're in business, so that's a constant temptation. Hatred? Hatred is desiring something evil for someone. The absolute opposite of agape love. Fits of rage. Oh, 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 oh. Discord. Discord does not mean when we are standing up for what we believe. It's when we try to be against someone just because of who they are. When we don't see the humanity and, and the, the face of Christ in the other. When we are just taking a position to be against them. Obviously there were disagreements among Christians. Paul disagreed with Barnabas, Paul disagreed with Peter, Paul disagreed with James, they were always having. But, but it's when you are not standing on any principle, you are standing against someone else. That is discord. Jealousy. When you resent someone and act out of that resentment, you act out of that resentment because you want what someone else has. Factions. Of course, we in America don't know anything about that. Envy. Drunkenness. Why is drunkenness wrong? Just because it's wrong? What happens when people drink? They become unaware of the effect of their behavior on others if they drink too much. You become 
You, you don't care. You don't even, you don't, you're not even aware of the effect that you have on others. Orgies and the like. Orgies is pretty obvious, right? The orgies word, the NRSV caused carousing and the, the, K, the KJV caused reveling. So I don't know how the, NI, the, the NIV came up with orgies. But the whole point of that is, the, the word is komos. It, it, it comes from a, a word that described what a band of friends would, who followed around um, a, a, a victor in those games. You know, Greeks are big on games, right? So they would follow them around and, and, and act often in ways that were disrespectful of others. So this means Christians never always respect the dignity of the other person. Regardless of whether they're Respecting their own dignity. Just because someone is disrespecting themselves does not give us the license to disrespect them or to act as if they are anything less than a beloved child of God. Because it is not we who love them, God loved them into being. So when we start moralizing and pointing our fingers at others, Churches are big on moralizing and saying who's in, who's out, right? Who's good, who's bad. Once we start saying we're good, we've lost the game right there. And once we start thinking that we're better than that person, watch out for that. All right, the list of, the list of virtues, the spirit. Let's, let's, we, we, these are easy things, but if, we're, if we just listen to these words, not these lists of, of vices and virtues the way the Greco-Romans did, but didn't read them in light of agape love, we just become moralizers and finger, and finger shakers. What changes these, what makes them unique is agape. It turns a lot of them on their head. The fruit of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit working in us, which is Christ in us too, because if we're Trinitarians, we believe that the Christ who was hanging on the cross was no, no other than the God of Israel, creator of heaven and earth. Amen. That that's what God's love looks like. The Spirit Fruits of God's spirit is agape. And if you have agape, you have joy. It's not the joy of getting that new job or the Patriots winning, maybe this afternoon, right? Um, Lynn reminded me that people want to get out of their room. Um, or, or the joy when we when we get some good news. The joy is 
the fact that we are fully, fully embraced by the love of God regardless. It's the joy that no one can understand. It's a joy that can never be taken, even when we're sad. It's a joy that is, is greater than sadness, is greater than tears. It doesn't mean that we don't get down. You can have Christian joy and still cry. Christian joy is deeper than just happiness. It's the knowledge and the belief and the trust that all shall be well. That all these things shall pass. And peace, peace is God's shalom, is God's justice. You cannot have peace without justice. Peace without justice is just oppression. God's peace is shalom. Patience. Women are often told to be patient, right? Women are supposed to all be patient. But this is not, look at Jesus in the temple. He wasn't exactly a patient dude, right? He, he, Jesus was that very impatient guy, actually. This is another type of patience. This is the patience that knows that in all good and time, God will prevail. We have a sense of urgency, but it's not in our time. It's a patience that comes from faith. It is the quality of the person, Chrysostom said, who does not have to avenge oneself in the here and now because justice belongs to the Lord. Kindness, that's mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Mercy, merciful people are those who see injustice and try to correct it because of the mercy they feel for the suffering. It's not just... And goodness. What is good? God is good. And God acts out of what? Agape, love. When we say God is good, we mean God is agape. Faithfulness? Faithfulness is exactly that. Is faith. Faith regardless of the circumstances of the world. We know who's in charge. We have the peace that passes understanding. We are faithful. We do not enter into despair. Gentleness. A gentle person is a person who cares for the other. Again, Jesus was not gentle the way we think of gentle in our everyday word when he was in the temple. He wasn't exactly gentle on the scribes who came and questioned him. He wasn't exactly gentle on the men who were trying to stone the woman caught in adultery. Not gentleness in our. He was gentle to the victim of injustice. I don't think those men experienced him as gentle, but boy, that woman did. 
and self-control. Meaning you know how you feel. You know, but don't believe everything you feel. Believe in the justice of God and act accordingly regardless how you feel. Love is not a feeling. Agape is not a feeling. It is a decision. It is a decision that we make when we accept God's love in our life. And when we say we are going to follow Jesus, no turning back, what that means is I am going to act according to the love that was shown me a sinner, the love that went to the cross. So it is for that freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, the slavery of myself. Slavery of myself. For now we see in a mirror dimly, and then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, but then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these, is love.